Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. There's still a few weeks remaining in the regular season for FCS football, yet Vaughn Taylor, defensive lineman for Moorhead State, has racked up 19 and a half tackles for loss. He also has eight sacks so far this season and is clearly statistically one of the best defenders at the FCS level. For today's NFL Draft Prospect Spotlight interview, Ryan Roberts spoke to Taylor. Before we get to that interview though, folks, I do need to tell you about today's sponsor, which is Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all of your pro and college football action this year. With a new and updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the, where the game starts. Welcome back for another interview for a 2022 NFL Draft Prospect. I'm talking to a young man, Vaughn Taylor, defensive end, edge defender, out of Moorhead State, currently leading the FCS as we're recording this on October 18th in Tackles for Loss, among also the sack leaders, top 30 in the nation. Vaughn uh, was originally uh, at, actually at the uh, University of Kansas and now is now a dominant player at Moorhead State and has been a dominant player now for three seasons, including this past spring. And then 2019 was his real big breakout after playing a little bit in 2018. Vaughn, I appreciate you hopping in, man. How's everything been going? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? It's awesome, man. I, I really appreciate it. Again, I know it's taken us a little time to be able to get connected, but I'm really excited about this because for my money, you're one of the top uh, pass rushers, not only on the FCS level, but I think you're one of the more natural guys in, in the entire nation, to be honest with you. So I'm really excited to be able to highlight you as one of the top defensive ends, pass rushers in the 2022 class, and a guy that I think on the small school ranks, that guys really want to get to know a little bit and to be able to, I mean, you can go on ESPN right now if you look at the tackle for loss leader and you know that it's Mr. Vaughn Taylor. So going to want to start you off, Vaughn. Uh, I usually try to do this as more of a journey to where you've gotten. So I wanted to go back. I kind of dug into a little bit of your, your background as far as Friendship Collegiate Academy. Um, I think it was in Washington, D.C., if I have that correct. And it is um, you. I mean, I looked at some of these stats, man. I'm like, I think senior year, 23 sacks, some crazy <laughs> number. I went to the uh, went to like the um, the the 
the next preps page and I was looking at, you know, just the numbers and all that good stuff. And then I saw it in the bio as well for Moorhead State. So obviously you, you originally chose to go to Kansas. If I have it correct though, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you were a walk-on originally. So I would love you to just give me a little context as far as the recruiting, how, and then how you ended up at Kansas originally. Okay. Well, uh, the walk-on situation, that was correct. So originally uh, coming out of friendship, which has a lineage of NFL players from Jermaine Carter to Yannick Ngakwe um, and guys of that nature. Um, I was originally, you know, kind of undersized, undersized guy. I was playing defensive end around 190 pounds. So a lot of bigger schools weren't really taking uh, that chance with me, not knowing if I would be able to hold the weight. So I originally went ahead and committed to uh, the Naval Academy. After committing to the Naval Academy, uh, I kind of talked over my family again and me, you know, being in the Navy with the aspirations of going pro, those things kind of didn't line up. So I ended up contacting um, Coach Jesse Williams, who was the defensive line coach up there at the time, um, and, you know, trying to go ahead and see if I could get up there because he was originally recruiting me at Ohio University when he was with the Bobcats. Um, what Basically what happened was I ended up committing late uh, so they told me, you know, you have to be a walk on for the year. Um, and I had no problem with that. You know, I was confident in my abilities. I ended up going up there being one of two of the last guys to get there. Um, ended up working my way up the depth chart with, you know, guys, uh, along the names, Dorrance Armstrong, Dan Uwaz, um, and was really one of the only true freshmen to play actual defensive line up there. Um, so then after that, you know, things really didn't work out as far as like scholarship wise moving forward. And I didn't want to have my mom, you know, in the bind. So I ended up just going ahead and say, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and leave and try to go ahead and play right away. And that's what I did. I love it, man. So I would love a little bit of maybe before I jump in there, because like you mentioned, you know, you're playing, you mentioned Doris Armstrong, you mentioned Daniel Wise, obviously a really talented defensive line group there at Kansas when you were there and you were able to play. I know you played some special teams as well. What was it like just playing in the Big 12, man? I, I know there's a lot of obviously great talent week in and week out. What was it like just kind of get there and just kind of see the game speed and how much talent there is in that conference in general? Um, well, really, I would say it wasn't as much as the game speed for me. I would say it was more along the lines of the playbook just yeah. because me coming from high school, I really played in the uh, same system basically for three years um, with my sophomore year, me not really playing that much. So I really played in the system two years with a year to study. Um, so that was pretty much the hardest part, just learning the playbook, um, you know, being up there with the guys like Dorrance, Daniel, um, and the rest of the guys, they made it kind of easier on me, you know, just watching film, quizzing myself, having quizzes on what we see, um, who likes, who likes to run what out of what formations, things like that. Gotcha, man. And obviously, so you take your next step in the journey. You eventually end up at Moorhead State. Talk to me a little bit about that transition, though. When you were decided to leave Kansas, because obviously, like you said, the, the the scholarship situation didn't work out. What was that recruiting process like? Was Were you reaching out to schools? Were schools reaching out to you? And what other schools were you talking to? And why ultimately was Moorhead State the best spot? Um, well, I actually had a cousin to play here already. So um, that was kind of like more of a natural transition. I had a cousin that played here. I had a couple other guys um, from the Washington, D.C. area that was playing here. So my thing was I wanted to play right away. Um, I didn't want to go the JUCO route. And because of the timing of when I actually decided I was going to transfer, 
um, I had to just get in with whatever school pretty much worked the fastest. So I didn't have to sit out. So Morehead State was pretty much the school that worked the fastest just because I already have relationships here. Um, you know, it may sound cliche, but I already knew, you know, if you can play, you know, the NFL or whatever, you know, pro level, they'll find you. So I pretty much took this as a business trip and, you know, pretty much went to work from there. I love it, man. And, and you're absolutely right in, in that sense as well is not only just from the Believe in NFL Draft Prospect podcast, but also my work with co- the College Gridiron Showcase. Like if you are a player, whether you play Power 5 football down to the NAIA, those you will find great football talent. And I'm glad that you kind of just put that out there, like betting on yourself a little bit, I think is a great situation to say the least. And I kind of wanted to ask you now, Vaughn, is, you know, you're going to 2018, you play a ton of football, obviously in your first year at Moorhead, nine tackles for loss. I think you led the team that year. And then the 2019 season is really where you broke out. So talk to me a little bit about the early portion of the Moorhead career and how happy you were maybe to just be able to play football and be able to play a ton and then see the success that you had. Um, well, I was pretty much just happy uh, coming in, you know, with the opportunity to go ahead and play right away, which I said, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Um, me coming from Kansas, already having some experience under my belt with playing in the Big 12, I knew that it wasn't a long shot for me to come in and be able to uh, help the team. So coming in 2018, you know, I pretty much just played my role, you know, coming in, not being too big headed, not coming in saying, OK, I'm this guy from the Big 12. I'm coming over to, you know, coming in and take over. It wasn't that at all. I just came in, fell in line. Um, you know, pretty much roll with the punches, try to learn the defense on the fly, you know, help the team out as much as I could. Um, going into 2019, they ended up switching the defense to a three, four. So, uh, prior to me leaving Kansas, actually, uh, Kansas had, was changing the defense to a three, four scheme. So I had already had some experience with my hand in the ground. Um, as a 3-4 defense alignment, and I had some experience standing up because I was kind of a tweener guy um, that, that could do both. So uh, once they told me that they were changing the defense, you know, they pretty much saw me as a guy that can do both. Um, but ultimately, I ended up, you know, put being down with my hand in the ground because they would rather me, you know, be going forward than backwards. So uh, I did that, you know, pretty much dominated in that uh you know, just from the film study and being able to use my athleticism, uh, my lateral quickness. And, you know, that pretty much turned out to be a pretty big year for me. And then ever since then, you know, I've just been looking to go ahead and kind of top that. And then right now uh, I'm on pace to do that. Yeah, for sure, man. And I want to definitely talk about that versatility to play in multiple systems and play in multiple spots on the edge. I think that that, and I actually have a comp for you a little bit later, a guy that you remind me a little bit that I interviewed last cycle We'll get to that, but I kind of wanted to ask next step is you had the dominant 2019 season. You're going into 2020. I'm sure you're super excited. And then obviously the spring going into that summer, COVID-19 pandemic, are, are we going to play football? A lot of the FCS, most of the FCS cancels into the spring. It affects multiple levels. There's no division two football. There's almost no division two football. There's no division three football. There's no NAIA like they're, Every, every team is, you know, trying to figure it out kind of on their own a little bit. There's not like mandates that like you're just trying to figure it out. So talk to me a little bit about dealing with COVID and then transitioning into playing in the spring rather than a traditional fall season. Okay. Well, uh, with COVID hitting, you know, it pretty much took a toll on, you know, all the student athletes not knowing if we were going to be playing or what. So I, I didn't know if I would be playing until uh, I want to say, 
until I returned back to campus. So pretty much what I did was I spent a lot of time at home uh, training between five to six times a week, just me knowing that I was moving back on the edge, uh, you know, having to get my pass rush skills, you know, a little better, you know, working the run game a little more. Um, I worked on that a lot, try to, you know, get my body type, you know, to an outside linebacker type guy. And then uh, we come in and they say, okay, well, you know, the season's canceled. So uh, the team pretty much, you know, we didn't really budge. We said, okay, it's canceled. Now it's time to, uh, you know, get to work and try to go ahead and prepare for whenever we do play football. So we had like, I want to say 15 practices and basically treated like a spring and then got ready for the spring. Um, Ended up playing the spring season, which ended up turning out, you know, pretty good for me again. You know, uh, I felt like I could have did better. But unfortunately, I missed one of the bigger games, which was JMU, uh, due to contract tracing with COVID. Um, so I ended up only playing six of the seven games in the spring. Um, but I was ultimately able to help my team, you know, be above 500 for the first time, you know, in a little bit. So that was something that I was really excited about coming into this fall. Yeah. And obviously you were, again, very productive in that in that spring season. So I would love to hear your insight into this because this is something I've asked guys before, and I think it's a really interesting conversation. What is it like being probably the only players to ever play a spring season for one? That's pretty insane when you think about that. But then also to transition right from spring to go into a fall season where like, hey, like usually spring, you have your spring practice, then you're going to lay low for a little bit, do your off-season workouts, you're going to get into summer, do all that good stuff. But you're literally going from spring season to fall season, what was that like? Um, well, for me, mainly, uh, I just knew that the spring and this fall was really important, especially for a guy that wants to play at the next level. So what I did in the spring was, uh, on top of like the treatments and everything that we have up here, uh, I would go once a week and go get a massage uh, from one of the massage places out here, just t- trying to take care of my body as much as I could. And then uh, once the summer came back around I just trained you know got in the weight room a lot just trying to you know uh build my body back up but also I got a lot of rest and I was kind of eating well just to make sure that you know I can be uh durable throughout both seasons because I know that's you know like that's a big thing you know that's the only way that you can help your team is being available so that that was something I really prided myself on just being available so taking care of my body being in the training room um even if it was something minor, you know, I was going in and, you know, speaking to our athletic trainers about it just to make sure I would be ready to go for uh, this fall. And I love the numbers that you have so far, obviously, six games and 42 tackles, 15 and a half tackles for loss. You talked about that leading FCS football right now, six and a half sacks and another seven quarterback hits. So you are getting after the quarterback. You are making a lot of plays in the backfield. And you just said, the spring was nice because we had a winning season for the first time a little bit. You guys are four and two, three and zero in, in the conference right now. So obviously, really good stuff early on. Take me through the season a little bit. How has it been for you so far, and, and just how happy are you with not only your performance but the team's performance? Um, well, first and foremost, I was a lot. I was very uh, excited, you know, to be able to play against JMU. You know, they got a couple of guys over there that I know are getting, you know some big time looks. So I was, I already knew that that was an important game for me to be a part of. Uh, So that was, that was, that was a good start for me. Um, And then, 
you know, I knew once I got into conference, you know, I would be getting a lot of attention just because of what I've been doing over the past two and a half seasons prior to this. Uh, so really it's just been a grind really, because, you know, I know that I still have to be productive, but I also know that the other, the opposing team is trying to limit my production. So pretty much just film study, um, knowing what they're going to do, knowing what type of blocks you're going to get, knowing what to expect. Um, that's something that I've really been, you know, taking a lot of pride in because me personally, I would say I'm my biggest critic. And when I have like a goal in mind as far as numbers and what I want to see, I'm not satisfied until I get that. And you give me a lot of vibes. And this is what I was talking about with the, the comparison for a second. I interviewed Chris Garrett last year who came out of Concordia St. Paul who got drafted, I think in the sixth or seventh round by the Los Angeles Rams, and he ended up making the roster, and he's playing football for the Los Angeles Rams, and you kind of have the same size profile. He had huge sack and, and tackle for loss production, sort of like you do as well. A guy that I think was a little under the radar but ends up getting drafted, and I feel like you might be in that same similar ballpark. I think, And the, what Chris had going for him, and you were talking about a little bit, is he had played in a 4-3, and he had played in a 3-4, and so for every team – He's a guy that had film. Like you could, like it's not like a fourth, a strictly a four-three defensive end where like you're a three-four team. You're an odd man front. We're like, hey, can he stand up? Can he do things? You've done a little bit of everything in both systems, which I think makes you really valuable. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that makes you a more well-rounded football player and being able to do so many different things and work from so many different alignments? Um, yeah. So basically, coming out of high school, I already knew that with the size that I had, I would have to be able to move around, um, not be one-dimensional, not just be a run stopper or not just be a designated pass rusher. Uh, so I already knew that coming in. Once I got to the University of Kansas and we switched to defense, that's when I kind of really seeing it really come into fruition uh, because around that time when they were starting to switch to defense, they actually had Azul Kamar, who's with the Cowboys right now, um, he was come. He had ended up coming in. I want to say a little bit after me, but I, they had me, you know, projected to be as a def, like I said, a defensive lineman or be a stand-up guy. I practiced both. Um, we had ended up having some injuries, and in, I want to say while we were in camp, and I ended up having to play both, and I did pretty good at it. Um, and then once I got here to Morehead State, we ended up going back into a four-three, and I was able to come in and play right away. And then once they moved us back into the three, four, um, originally I was going to be a stand-up guy. Uh, but my, my defense coordinator, he wanted me to be along the defense line just for the production reasons. So he put me down there and me, I had already had, uh, some little tricks to the trade of playing down there like that, especially playing with Daniel Wise. Um, so that pretty much helped me out a lot. And then moving forward, I just took, what I had, you know, and like I said, use my athleticism. But I, I, I already knew that being versatile was something that was huge. You know, uh, even right now, you know, if I could, I would be on special teams. You know, I ask my coaches all the time, but, you know, they say sometimes I play too many reps. So, but I always ask, you know, because I, I, I had to do it. And I know that that's really important. You know, special teams and being uh, versatile, those are two things that keep you, uh, keep eyes on you. For sure, for sure. And that, there's definitely things that teams are going to want to know. I, I know you have a little bit of a special teams background early in the Kansas career, so they'll be talking about that a little bit as well. And I want to ask you about, and I, I think this is a great conversation, because you talked a lot about some guys that you've played with, like Kamara, 
like Doris Armstrong, some guys that have played on the next level. Um, I gave you the Chris Garrett comp a little bit, a guy that I think that you play a little bit like, that your body type is similar to. Who are some of your guys, though? When I'm talking watching NFL football, whether they're stand-up rushers, whether they're 4-3 defensive ends with their hand in the dirt, like who are some guys that you watch and you try to model your game after a little bit? Uh, well, I watch it a little of everybody. So I've heard comparisons to a lot of people. But uh, one guy that I really watch a lot, especially with me knowing him, is uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, he's pretty much like a big brother to me. You know, we train with the same trainer in the offseason. Um, he has one of the best cross chops in the NFL, you know, so uh, I look at that a lot. I try to add that to my arsenal. Um, I like Jadavion Clowney, you know, although the sack productions are not always there, you see him always getting around the ball and affecting the game a lot. Um, I also like Max Crosby. I like what he's been doing. Uh, I actually talked to Max while he was at Eastern Michigan. Uh, I pretty much... I pretty much uh, watch guys, you know, whoever it is, like guys all over college. It don't even really have to be uh, NFL guys, but I'll say definitely Max Crosby and Yannick. Those are two of the guys right there that I pretty much watch a lot because I remember when Max was actually in uh, Eastern Michigan, he was really like tall and, and lanky pretty much. And then he actually put on a lot of weight. And then, you know, now you see what he's doing. But I already have seen it before it even, you know, happened. And him and Yannick are playing on the same team. So that makes a lot yeah. of sense. And, and I'll tell you, I interviewed Max when he was coming out of Eastern Michigan. He was one of my favorite interviews ever. That dude was, was fantastic. I'm glad that he's gotten past some of the demons, obviously, with, with that kind of side story as well. So a couple of great people, I think, to, to kind of look at. I love the Javion Clowney. And there's a lot of good players that you mentioned there. And le- last couple of questions I have for you is, one, for the rest of the season, I know you're statistically off to a great start, fantastic start. You're off, you pace for well over 20 tackles for loss, over 10 sacks, all that good stuff. The team's off to a good start. For you, what are some goals that you have set that would make 2021 the perfect ending to your career? Uh, pretty much winning the championship. You know, uh, that's, that's something that me and my team has been talking about a lot. It hasn't been done here in a while. Uh, and basically just creating a new culture. I feel like that's something that, uh, I'm really, I'm really satisfied that I get the opportunity to do, uh, help create a new culture. I know, uh, especially coming from like a, a program like Kansas, like the culture maybe wasn't the best there, mm-hmm. but you've seen up there, it was a lot of things that you, that were done the right way that, and it's a lot of things that you have to do the right way to even have a chance to be able to have a great culture. So like some of the things that I learned up there and bringing it here and, you know, just trying to help other guys. That's what I like doing. You know, a lot of the young guys, a lot of the mistakes that I made when I was younger, a lot of the things that I did when I was younger, I like helping them grow and, you know, and not beat themselves up about that. So I feel like us winning the championship um, and then helping develop the younger guys, I feel like that would really make uh, the rest of my year right now. Of course, statistically, you know, I have those goals, but I feel like, you know, winning that championship and having that main thing, the main thing is something that'll really make my year. And then last question I have for you, obviously, I'm a guy that thinks that you're definitely going to get an opportunity to play on the next level. You're at least going to get a long look. And from that opportunity is your, you know, it's fully in your, in your, um, in your control to make best of it. So I want to ask you a little bit about when did the NFL become a dream for you? And number Mm -hmm. two, what type of blessing would it be if you're next year, you're able to make a roster and you're able to make that dream come a reality? Um, well, I would say the NFL has been a dream 
ever since I could remember, really. Uh, and pretty much ever since I had my eye set on it, I, I want to say my junior year of high school, I, I had maybe about eight sacks. And I was like, okay, I want more, you know. And then my, my 12th grade year, you know, I kind of went off. Um, I pretty much knew from that point on, it wasn't a dream. It was something that I know that could happen. So mm-hmm. everything up to this point, I'm not, you know, trying to sound cocky or anything, but I pretty much expect these things for myself. You know, I pretty much, I put it in the air that that's something that is going to happen. So I treat every day and everything I do as if I'm going to be a pro once I leave. So, and I feel like that's something that's really helped me uh, a lot, you know, is about taking care of my body, you know, loving the grind, loving the train, um, loving to get better, you know, even just taking the criticism, you know, like things like that. I feel like that's something that's really helped me. And then it will, of course, it'll be a blessing, you know, to be able to play in the NFL. I have a lot of guys, you know, that I train with, a lot of guys I know personally, a lot of guys that I play with that's in the NFL. So I know what it takes. And I know, you know, some guys that never been in that position don't really know, you know, exactly what it looks like, you know, for a guy to be able to go on and play in the NFL. And they think you got to do something. Oh, you know, spectacular. And it's really in the little thing. It's little, it's really literally in the details. So that's what I feel like, you know, paying attention to the details, you know, that'll really help me. Absolutely. And I, I love the ending there. Again, joined by Vaughn Taylor Jr., star defensive end, edge defender out of Moorhead State. Uh, Vaughn, this was fantastic, man. I love, I always love digging into the backgrounds and the bios and all that type of stuff, but being able to just kind of hear it firsthand and be able to talk to the person. Um, you know, in the interview, I really always enjoy that so much. And I enjoyed kind of getting to know you a little bit. So thank you so much. Wish you the best of luck the rest of the season, man. I really appreciate you hopping on. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.